good morning. It's been a while since I played that song for an opener. Ah, uh, good morning. Welcome to the Plant Doctor Show. My name is Mike Meyer, and for the next hour, I'll be taking your calls and answering your questions about anything that's going on out there in the uh, gardening world. So, if uh, you got a question about your house plants, uh, maybe you got one as a, a Christmas gift, and it's not looking too good, or you're not sure how to take care of it. Uh, or maybe you're thinking ahead of, uh, you know, doing some gardening and you got a question in that respect, or lawn care even. Or, you know, it's a good time of the year to be trimming your trees and you don't know, you know, quite what you're doing. Go ahead and give me a call. Number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And you can text me too at the same number. And, uh, you get right on through. And, uh, let's see here. Do we have any texts up yet? I don't think so. Nope, no text yet. So, uh, you know, last week we started talking about drawing uh, Mother Nature into our backyards and our landscapes by feeding the birds. And we didn't really have a chance to finish the uh, topic, and a lot of people are interested in this one, so I figured we'd give it another uh, go today. Now, please forgive me if I repeat anything that I said last week, because I'm not exactly sure where we left off. But, anyway... Backyard feeding is a wonderful way. It's a great way to help, uh, you know, our feathered friends make it through the long winters, uh, which frequent our area. And you'd be surprised at how tame some of these birds will get, too. Now, not all birds will allow you to uh, slowly walk up to them. You know, most of them will usually take off right away. But after a while of them getting to know you and that you're feeding them, and trust me, they will realize this. Some of the birds uh, that frequent your yard will become tamer and tamer. And if you take a look at my uh, Facebook page, the Plant Doctor of Lacrosse, you'll see a picture that I took of a purple finch, and from the it was like an inch away from the bird when I took the uh, snap the shot. And not only did this bird allow me to get that close, but he even allowed me to pet it with a finger. So uh, if you have the patience and you can sit in a chair, extend a handful of bird seed, and you can have some birds uh, come in and actually land on your hand for a tasty little snack. And I say sit and do this uh, for the first few times because it can take a while for the birds to build up enough trust in you. And after you gain their trust, uh, it will usually only take a few moments of walking out, opening up your hand, and all of a sudden the birds start flocking down to you. It's really neat, really neat. And, uh, you know, some birds will come in, they're tamer than others. You know, chickadees, uh, for example, are some of the quickest birds to warm up to you. Catbirds, uh, when they return in the spring, will actually try to talk to you. And uh, I'm dead serious. Uh, they will try. They will tell you uh, if they're out of food. And uh, my neighbor Samantha was amazed once because uh, when a catbird landed, she was sitting out in her patio, and it was one of the ones that came over to our feeder all the time. And it landed within reach to her, and it sat there, started talking to her, and, you know, uh, you know, chirping to her. And we happen to be out of grape jelly right then at that point in time. So, and uh, yeah, usually that bird would land in her, uh, it would land top the jelly feeder. It's on a little mini shepherd's hook, 
and it would sit there and cry and cry and cry until we came out to uh, put jelly in the feeder. And, uh, you know, you'd go out there with the uh, jar of jelly, and then it would hop off the feeder, the little uh, shepherd's hook, and land only inches away from me in the uh, lilac bush and would sit there I mean, I, within arm's reach, without a doubt. And it would sit there while I filled up the jelly feeder, and I'd take a step back, would hop down, make a couple of chirps, and start eating again. So, yeah, these birds can actually become pretty stinking tame, and some are pretty comical, too. Uh, we have a uh, downy, or is it a hairy woodpecker? I'm not sure which one it is. I always get those two mixed up because uh, they look identical, and the only difference is size. But anyway, there's uh, one of them that allows me to get within an inch or two of it. Hasn't let me pet it yet, but I'm expecting him, uh, if we have enough time together, he might let me do it pretty soon. But you should never abuse the trust uh, that's given to you by the birds either. Otherwise, they you'll lose it and you won't get it back. Uh, and this is one reason why I don't like to like let the little kids go out and uh, do it because they're so tempted to hold the bird in their hand. And uh, even, you know, just to hold it for a few seconds, you can scare the heck out of the birds and they're going to lose all trust in us. So, uh, you know, just always keep your hands open. If uh, you're going to go up and try to pet it, do it with a single finger and talk to them softly while you're, uh, you know, uh, getting closer to them. And I like to uh, say, calling it a Bob Ross voice, you know, the painter on TV, where he's all nice and calm and he talks like this and there's no sharp edges to anything that he says and... You know, just be nice and relaxing as uh, you go up to the bird. And uh, this ensures them that you're not trying to uh, surprise them to sneak up on them, because that's what they're, you know, figuring most animals would do. And uh, it actually lets them trust you a lot uh, sooner. And, you know, it's a really cool thing to be able to do, have a wild animal land in your hand and take some food or reach up and scratch it behind the head. Uh, it's a really nice feeling, and it does not really take that much to be able to do it. So I highly recommend uh, doing it, and the first step, of course, is feeding your birds. And we'll get back to that in just a minute. Uh, we had one caller coming in. Uh, hopefully they'll give us a buzz back. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a short break here and take care of a little bit of business, but our number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914, and uh, that's uh, for talking or text. Uh, we'll be right back here in just a minute. And we are back, and today, uh, between our phone calls, we're going to be talking about uh, drawing birds into your backyard and, uh, you know, feeding them throughout the winter. And... Uh, one thing that's always good to have, and I know I didn't cover uh, this last week, is when you start, uh, you know, feeding the feathered little critters, having a bird book handy uh, that covers the birds in our area, but not just our area, uh, would be uh, good. And because a lot of times we get displaced birds. Uh, actually, there is a group of, uh, or a flock, I guess is the correct term, of uh, uh, parakeets 
that live up in the Twin Cities. And a couple of years back, uh, we had one of them that decided to come down to our place. And uh, for two summers in a row, he came to our place, and he stayed all summer long. And if you, again, go to my Facebook page, The Plant Doctor of Lacrosse, you can see some pictures of him on our feeder. And him, of course, uh, he was an escaped pet. Uh, he's actually banded, and he would never allow me to uh, touch him. But I get within an inch or so of him uh, and take some uh, pretty nice uh, photos of him sitting on our feeder. Uh, and he wouldn't land on my hand either, which I was really surprised at. But uh, he was probably afraid of getting caught or what have you. But having a bird, bird, bird book is really good because uh, there's a lot of birds out there. You know, Granted, most of your birds are going to be coming to the feeder. You're going to have your standards, which are uh, the cardinals, the chickadees, uh one of a billion types of uh, sparrows that are out there, and there are. Once you start feeding me, you'll realize how many different types of sparrows there are, uh, because they come in all sorts of different shapes and sizes. Uh, the finches. Um, there's your standard birds that will come in, and then you get the oddities that start coming in. Um, grosbeaks, uh, which are really neat to look at. Uh, you can get your uh, cedar wax wings coming in, or your um, bluebirds, too. Uh, robins will uh, frequent your feeder if you give them the right food. And But it's always good to have uh, the bird book if you see a bird that you don't know what it is. And, you know, depending on the area that you're at, if you're near water, you're going to be getting different uh, birds uh, than you would if you're in a, a you know a woodland type of a setting, or if you're next to fields, you might have different types of birds. So and plus, like uh, with the uh, wildfires that they were having out in uh, you know out west, and you know how we kept uh, smelling the smoke in this area from fires that were you know burning out in California and up in Canada. Well, that smoke pushed a lot of wildlife, you know, birds, our way as well. And, you know, they tried to stay ahead of the uh, smoke, and we started getting a lot of western species of birds coming to our feeder, which was really neat. And, you know, you get used to the uh, standard birds, and uh, but having the oddballs come in every now and then, and not knowing what they are is always a fun thing, and discovering what birds they actually are. We had a uh, group of uh, yellow grosbeaks or something like that that are from like out in the Rocky Mountains that uh, showed up at our feeder uh, a couple of years back when the fires were really bad out there. It was really neat. But uh, yeah, and the different birds too themselves. You know, even your local birds, you're going to start noticing after you you hang out with them, you know, sitting outside having your coffee in the morning and watching them, you're going to start noticing that the different birds act differently. And I'm not talking about difference in the species. I'm talking about different individual birds within the same species. Uh, They will act differently. Some will be a little bit tamer. Some might have a little bit different markings on them. Uh... But, you know, they become individuals. It's not just a big bunch of birds anymore. And they can be pretty comical. Uh, and you start naming them and uh, such. And we've got Godzilla, which is this gar- 
gargantuan sparrow, song sparrow. Uh, it's like twice the size of any other song sparrow out there. And he keeps returning to our feeder year after year after year. I think this is going to be like the fourth year. Well, I haven't seen him yet this winter. But uh, he's come back uh, three years in a row, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I haven't seen him this winter out there. But, uh, yeah, he's gargantuan, and he's kind of on the tame side. He'll hang out with the theater until you start to walk up. You get about five feet away, he'll take off. But, uh, and it's usually the birds that are the tamer ones that you really get to see the big differences in. And the different things that you can do to feed them, too, like, uh, you know, everybody's heard about putting out grape jelly for uh, robins, or for orioles, rather. But you'd be surprised at how many different types of birds come up to the grape jelly and uh, will frequent it, and they really like it. Like I said before, our catbird would cry in the mornings if there was no grape jelly out there uh, until we, you know, went out and put some out. Uh, the Orioles would uh, also, you know, they'd be on that constantly. And Orioles are always fun to have, the nice bright orange of them. And they come around later in the spring. Or they're always showing up. But uh, robins, which, you know, you think are meat eaters because, you know, primarily they're out there eating worms. You see them out in the lawn, you know, picking up uh, worms after a rain and uh, whatnot. But uh, they will go after grape jelly as well, especially when they're nesting. And what was really fun is watching the parent robins teach the baby robins once they fledged. Uh, they'd all come down to the uh, feeder, the jelly feeder that we had. And the parent robins would, you know, at first, you know, uh, pick up the food in their own beaks and then they'd transfer it over to the babies. And then you watch babies uh, going at it, trying to eat it and, you know, stand up on the uh, feeder without falling over and such. And they're pretty comical. But, yeah, it, all sorts of uh, different uh, foods and stuff that can, you know, draw in the birds. But there are a few things that you're going to need in order to do this. Uh, food source is definitely uh, one, but cover is very, very big. And when I say cover, it could be a tree or bush or shrub or even an old porch swing. That, you know, uh, they can hide under. We have a, uh, you know, a bench out on our patio, and we put a tarp over it to give them a uh, good cover and have the tarp a couple inches up off the uh, patio itself, uh, so they can go underneath it. And we'll throw some bird seed under there too, and that way there they can you know hide out uh, during you know snowstorms and such. And it's really cool. You go out there in the middle of the storm, and they'll all—they don't fly out all at once, but they'll fly out one after another. And for a minute or two, it'll be bird after bird after bird after bird after bird coming out from underneath the uh, bench, which is kind of funny. Uh, but you know, having cover out there, you can uh, take a Christmas tree if uh, you still have it, and stick it in the snowbank. And it doesn't matter if it's, uh, you know, up or down. Uh, the birds don't care. Uh, it could be laying on its side. And that will still provide cover. And what you're trying to do by giving this is just giving the birds a sense that they have a place to hide. 
uh, and it's not even really hiding. It's uh, because they will go to a bush without any leaves on it as well. Uh, like our lilac bush has no leaves on it right now. You could easily see the birds in the middle of it, but once they're in the middle of it, nothing can get to them if uh, they don't, you know, want to. Uh, we've got a couple of uh, smaller hawks and uh, falcons that like, uh, I don't want to say frequent our uh, backyard, but unfortunately they've been back there more often than I'd like to see them. Uh, and it's always cool seeing a falcon or a hawk, don't get me wrong, but when they're back there munching on the birds that you're calling your little feathered friends, it makes it a little bit different. And you look at it in a different light. And, yeah, they will come in, and, you know, Mother Nature can be cruel at times, and, yeah, it's nature because these birds eat other birds. And I've been sitting out there having my coffee, and all of a sudden a falcon will swoop in and just nail a bird off the ground. It's like, wow. But, uh, you know, get used to uh, having them out there and uh, all sorts of things like that will start happening. Um one oddball bird that we had show up, uh, and this one came back uh, year after year for a few years, too, in a row. Uh, we had a uh, albino finch that started showing up. And I believe it was a finch. It was, it's kind of hard to tell because it's an albino. And uh, so you can't really tell by its markings since it's all white. And you go to my Facebook page again, and there's a picture of it uh, sitting on our feeder. But uh, that one showed up for uh, quite a few years. Uh, didn't stay the entire season, and it was always there during the springtime, I believe. But uh, And he didn't stay the entire season, but he showed up. And uh, whether he's passing through to his uh, regular nesting area or what have you, who knows. Didn't see him last year, though, unfortunately, so I hope he's still kicking. But there's all sorts of different types of feeders out there on the market, too, and I figured we'd talk about that today. And the different uh, types of feeders, uh, the types of birds that you have uh, will be drawn in and attracted to different types of feeders. So I figured that would be a good subject to uh, hop on and uh, cover that. But uh, we'll do that when we come back from the news. We're going to have to take a short break here and take care of a little bit of news, a little bit of business, but we'll be right back soon. And if you've got a question about anything uh, that you know, green or growing, or at least supposed to be. It could be about your lawn, gardens, trees, shrubs, houseplants, whatever. Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And uh, we'll be right back here at 1410 WITM in just a minute. And we're back with the uh, WIZM and the Plant Doctor Show. And today uh, we're talking about feeding the birds and drawing them to your backyard. But as always, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, it does not have to be about bird feeding, uh, though if you do wish to chime in about that, you may. Uh, number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And uh, Chris was just texting me, uh, a bird feeder is feeding all the birds, including the hawks. <laughs> and, and, yep, he's right. And then he writes, uh, they also eat the mice under the feeder. And, uh, yep, they're more than welcome to do that at any time they want to. <laughs> and that is one thing to keep in mind, too. If you're going to be feeding the birds, you're going to be drawing in other animals as well. 
uh, squirrels, rabbits, and unfortunately mice. So uh, yeah, the hawks are more than welcome to have it, have at it with them. Uh, we have one caller coming in and uh, two open lines and no text. Six zero eight seventy five seven nine one four is the number to get in. Good morning, morning. playing doctor show. Who's this? Hi, this is Jim. I'm, you were just touching base on uh, what I want to talk about is drawing in other animals and or other birds and okay. pigeons. I mean, I get so many damn pigeons that they just they'll eat that bird seed up in two minutes. Mm, you in town? Is there any, anything you can do to deter the pigeons but keep the yes. little ones? Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what I was going to be going into next is the different types of feeders. Uh, pigeons uh, either like to eat on the ground or on tray-type feeders. But if you get uh, feeders that have smaller perches, uh, ones that would be difficult for the uh, bigger birds to land on, uh, a lot of your tube feeders are like this, uh, you will... You know, you'll still have the pigeons on the ground underneath the feeder, but uh, they won't be uh, attacking all the bird seed in the feeder. Awesome. Makes sense. Yeah, and it's not that uh, there's all sorts of different types out there. Uh, There's some decorative ones. uh, But, okay, since we're going to start talking about this now, uh, and I brought it up, I do want to mention that there are two types of uh, tube feeders. Now, one of them is for uh, a specific type of seed that you use to draw in goldfinches and uh, wobblers and stuff like that, and that's called thistle seed. And thistle seed is very, very, uh, it goes by another name, uh, niger seed, N-I-G-E-R. But they don't like to use that because it's very close to a different word, and it's called that because it is a black seed. It's uh, very thin, and uh, the feeders for this are so fine. You can't use a, a standard feeder because you pour it in, and it's just going to pour right back out again, you know, the uh, large apertures. So uh, these feeders have tiny little slits that the uh, finches and wobblers and such can uh, stick their beaks in and pull out individual seeds. Uh, those feeders will not work with your standard bird seed because that seed's too big to come out through those tiny little slits. So you need to be careful when you're uh, buying one of those that you get the actual right feeder for, uh, you know, going for the smaller birds. Okay? Yeah, awesome. Appreciate the information. Love the show. Oh, thank you, Jim. You have a great day. You as well. Bye-bye. And, yeah, the uh, that is a, uh, going back to that. Uh, bringing in the goldfinches, and they're a really neat bird to have around because uh, not all birds, you know, everybody knows that some uh, birds will, you know, change their uh, colors, uh, plumage, you know, throughout the year. And there probably isn't any bird that's as drastic as the uh, goldfinch, uh, that, at least that we have in this area. And the goldfinch, you know, is highly recognizable during the summertime. Everybody sees them. They're bright golden yellow uh, for the most part. And, you know, you just see these yellow blobs floating all over the sky, you know, when they're flying. Uh, But during the winter, they lose that golden color. And they wind up looking like normal sparrows almost, Uh, you know, smaller sparrows. 
if you look close, you can still see some traces of yellow on them. But uh, for the most part, you know, they're brown, white, and black. And then uh, come about, oh, March, they start losing their their winter colors and start regaining their uh, summer colors again. And uh, what's really pretty is if you have a late snow and if you can draw in different uh, colored birds all at the same time. And I've actually had bluebirds, goldfinches, and cardinals and robins uh, all out in the yard at the same time before. And that is just gorgeous. You have all the different colored birds out there. It's like a kaleidoscope, Mother Nature's kaleidoscope, which is really neat. But, uh, yep, if you've got a question about anything that's green or growing or want to, uh, you know, ask or chime in about the birds, please do. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And uh, you can shoot me a text on that or give a call. And, again, that number is 608-785-7914. Okay. Uh, now, like I was saying, there's many different types of feeders out there on the market, and some draw different birds than others. Uh, and some will tend to draw them all. Now, tray-type feeders, uh, which is uh, what Jim did not want to have, uh, because tray-type feeder is just as I, you know, it sounds like it's a tray, a hanging tray uh, that the birds can land on. And this will bring in just about any type of bird. Uh, which is good if, uh, you know, you're out of the city. Uh, I know people in the city have a lot of the uh, pigeons, and that can be, uh, pigeons are cool, but after a while you don't want that many pigeons because they chase away all the smaller birds. Uh, so, uh, you know, you don't want to, you know, go for a different uh, way of uh, attracting them. And like I was saying, the tube feeders are a very good answer to that. Uh, the smaller birds, the sparrows, finches, warblers, and such, they can uh, land on there. And some of the uh, medium to larger size can, too. Uh, like your cardinals can land in a, a tube feeder. Uh, our robin, uh, which is weird because we have a uh, robin that's during the season, he does like to eat uh, seed every now and then. I've seen him try to land on the uh, tube feeder, and it just doesn't work that well for him. So he usually uh, winds up going to the tray feeder, but more than likely you see him on the jelly feeder, uh, which he really loves. But uh, even the robins cannot possibly land on a tube feeder. But anything bigger than that, it gets kind of hard for him. Now, other than the tube and the uh, tray feeders, you have uh, what I call our house feeders. And these allow uh, the smaller and medium-sized uh, and some of the larger birds to land, have a snack without all the waste uh, that a tray feeder uh, gives you. Because, you know, when the birds land in the uh, tray feeders, what they'll do is they'll look for their favorite seed and they'll scratch the surface of the seed until they find their favorite seeds. And unfortunately, when birds go to scratch, uh, the seed goes flying. So, uh, yeah, they're not... Now, when you hear about eating like a bird, that doesn't mean that they're dainty uh, and neat. Birds are actually pretty messy feeders. 
and uh, with the tray feeders, they'll send seed all over the place, which is good because then they'll have, you know, seed on the ground, too, for some of the larger birds, like pigeons and your blackbirds, starlings, and uh, rackles to go eat. But the house-type feeders are pretty neat, too, and they're like a cross between a tray feeder and a uh, tube feeder. Generally, the uh, roof of the house, or pagoda, or whatever shape it's in, uh, is removable, and you pour the seed in, and it falls down and comes out to a small tray on the bottom, which has uh, access either all the way around or on uh, two different sides of it. And uh, the birds will, you know, perch and uh, sit there and eat seed to their heart's content. And usually they're uh, clear so you can see, you know, when uh, it's going to need more feed coming in. And also, uh, (laughs) a house feeder allowed me a very comical little story. Uh, woke up one morning, it's winter time, uh, this happened when I was still living in West Salem. It was winter, and I'm sitting there having my coffee, and I look out at the birds in the feeder, and, okay, I've got a bunch of finches out there, some sparrows, and then something came by and scared all the birds away, except for one. I'm looking, and I'm like, that bird's not on the outside of the feeder, it's inside the bird feeder. And the level of the seed had dropped down very low, and the bird was act- had its head down eating the seed, and it reached in to get some seed that was further in, probably, you know, its favorite seed that it couldn't, you know, reach on the outside, and it wound up coming up on the inside of the birdhouse, or the bird feeder, and it couldn't get back out again. So I had to go out and rescue it. And, uh, you know, so I went out and got it, and I took it out and let it go. And a couple of days later, the same thing happened. And uh, a couple of days later, pretty much any time that I would let the bird feeder get all the way down uh, to where there was very little seed in it, the stupid bird kept going up onto the inside of my bird feeder. And <coughs> I actually uh, started to wonder if it was stupid or not, or if it was actually trying to take cover inside of there, and it knew it was safe from, uh, you know, other things. But hmm, it was weird. Uh, it kept going inside there every time the uh, level of seed would go down. And, you know, who knows, maybe it was just trying to get in and out of the weather. So, uh, yeah, uh, the Hauser uh, pagoda-type uh, feeders are very, very good. Uh, it will limit some of the uh, larger birds, but not all of them. And then, of course, you have uh, some of the specialty feeders uh, you need to talk about. Of course, there's the hummingbird feeders, uh, which hold on to a uh, sugar water, basically. And if you make your own uh, juice for drawing in hummingbirds, please never add food coloring to it. Uh, Food coloring, you know, our bodies can uh, take care of uh, the stuff. It gets uh, processed through our liver. But our liver itself is probably about the size and weight of about three or four hundred hummingbirds. Now, let's face it, uh, their livers are tiny. Uh, Probably two or three of them could fit on our pinky nail. Uh, They're so tiny. 
And uh, their tiny little livers cannot process that um, food coloring as well as ours can. And it can wind up hurting them. So always just go with plain, good, boiled water and sugar. And I believe it's four cups of sugar to one cup of water is the correct uh, uh, recipe for it. I may be wrong on that. Uh, Terry's the one that usually makes it. So uh, I'd have to you know, rely on her but for that answer, and she's not here today. But I believe it's four to one. And that's four cups of sugar to one cup of water. And you boil it, and that enables the water to uh, uh, absorb much more uh, sugar. And another specialty-type feeder, of course, would be the suet feeders. And what suet is, is it's basically beef fat, or any animal fat for that matter. And uh, you put the, put out suet. And it's a big-time attractor for uh, chickadees and also woodpeckers. Uh, you will have them flocking to your uh, feeder. And uh, when we have our suet out, we have primarily four different types of woodpeckers that show up. The downy, the hairy, the red-bellied, and the red-headed. Uh, rare is the red-headed. That's the biggest one that uh, we have come up. But that, I'm not talking about the pileated or the woody woodpecker. Uh, we've seen them out in our yard one time. Uh, but uh, the redhead is about half the size of one of them. But the red-bellied show up. Uh, they're not a stranger, but the uh, hairies and the downies are common. Uh, every day uh, they will show up at the uh, suet feeders, and they enjoy it quite a bit. Another bird that really enjoys the suet is our thrushes, and they're an interesting bird. Uh, they're in the robin family. Uh, they've got a long tail like a uh, robin does, but instead of being uh, orange to red uh, in color like the robin, thrushes are chocolate brown, and they are a striking beautiful bird, and they've got a long beak, too, and uh, they love the suet. Uh, they usually come kind of towards late spring going into the summertime, and once they uh, start going to your property, they will hang out there for quite some time. Uh, they don't like to land on the cage-type uh, uh, suet feeders, but we've got, uh, yeah, how would you call it? A perchable suet feeder, too. It's actually a cake-type suet that uh, goes up to that. And they will go on there, and I don't think they actually eat from that, but what they'll do is they'll sit back and they'll peck at the, uh, the, the, the suet cakes and allow the stuff to fall down to the ground. Then they'll flutter on down to the ground, and they'll sit back and start eating it down there and enjoy themselves down, there, down below. So, heck, whichever way, you know, they want to go about doing it, fine and dandy. Uh, but uh, they're a really cool bird to have around as well. Now, they're, like I was saying, uh, like birdseed, suet cakes can vary greatly in the prices. Uh, to be honest with you, I have not really seen that much of a difference in what they draw, though. 
I know they have these uh, ones that are labeled woodpecker, you know, for woodpeckers and songbirds and cardinal blocks and stuff like that. That's Madison Avenue marketing. Uh, mostly they're going there for the suet. You know, granted, some of them uh, do like the nuts and berries that are in there, but I don't see that as being a really big draw uh, for them. Uh, you can put out plain suet and draw, you know, just as many birds as well. But that's going to bring us to our next break. Uh, we're going to have to take a short break here, but we'll be back at 1410 WIGM in just a couple of minutes. Go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And we will be right back. Okay, we've got a couple of minutes left to the show. If you've got a question about anything that's green or growing, go ahead and give me a call or shoot me a text. The number down here at Wisdom is 608-785-7914. And let's see, a few points. Uh, Tremplo Don is calling in. Your sh- water sugar proportion is wrong. Too much sugar. The way I determine the difference between the downy... Okay, he's saying too much sugar, but he's not saying how much is supposed to be mixed. And, uh, yeah, I wasn't positive on that one. But uh, the way I determine the difference between the downy and uh, uh, hairy woodpeckers is the downy is just a bit smaller... And, okay, so the downy is a smaller one, but uh, you have to actually see them side by side to figure out which one's smaller uh, because there's such a small difference in the size of these uh, birds between the downy and the hairy. Uh, But other than that, they're pretty much uh, identical-looking birds. But either one's fun to have around. But today, uh, in between phone calls, we were talking about uh, feeding the birds and drawing them in. And if anybody uh, knows uh, what the uh, proportion is uh, between sugar and water for uh, hummingbirds, please go ahead and shoot me a text or give me a call, 608-785-7914. I thought it was uh, 1 to 4, but like I said, I was probably wrong on that. And Tom here is saying that I am wrong. And that does tend to happen from time to time. But uh, I started to talk about making suet, or uh, using suet blocks, and the differences in prices uh, vary greatly. And there's not really that much of a difference in the way it draws the birds. In fact, you can make your own suet blocks for really cheap. And this is a fun project that you can do with older children. And I do mean older children like teenagers. Uh, you do not want kids that will be goofing around and stuff in the kitchen because you stand, stand the chance of uh, mess up with the stuff and it could burn you badly. But uh, it doesn't take much to do it. Uh, what you need to begin with is either a double, double boiler or what you could do is take uh, a smaller pot, take a larger pot, put some water into it, take a smaller pot and set it into that and put the suet uh, that you can buy at the grocery store, and that's really cheap. It's one of the few things that you can still get that's really cheap from a grocery store. And you pop that into the double boiler and uh, turn it on to a uh, medium to low to medium heat and allow it to render down to a clear liquid. Now, mind you, this is boiling fat. It's going to be hot. So that's why I don't want you to have uh, little kids around when you're doing this. But, you know, older kids that listen to uh, rules and directions are, uh, 
you know, generally okay for uh, making the stuff up. You know, you have to make uh, your own decision on if your kid's mature enough to do it or not. But they do stand a chance of getting burned badly. So never let a little kid do this. Now, uh, also, you're going to need to get yourself some, uh, just like, uh, Tupperware uh, sandwich boxes. You know, the clear uh, little square boxes that uh, you can put a, a sandwich in uh, from Tupperware. Now, they do make cheaper ones. Don't use the cheap ones. Uh, they're great for sandwiches, but those things are not good for doing this project because they're usually a lot thinner of a plastic and you do stand the possibility of the plastic melting when you pour the uh, hot fat into it. And that can get really messy and really dangerous if that happens. So also, one thing that you want to do is always take your sandwich boxes and put them on like a cookie sheet, you know, a raised cookie sheet that has like an inch, inch or so lip going around it. And then it's a uh, fairly good... Uh, you go ahead and you heat up the uh, suet, and you can go ahead and then add in whatever you want to put into it. Uh, I know some people like to mix grape jelly in. I do not recommend doing that because not all birds like grape jelly. Uh, in fact, quite a few birds, uh, grape is a uh, repellent to them. Uh, well, some birds love grape, other birds hate it. Uh, so I tend not to probably put uh, grape jelly into to the uh, thing, but you can put other flavors. And uh, I would prefer to use marmalade as opposed to jelly. <clears throat> and the reason why is jelly has much higher water content. And whenever, you know, anybody that's done any cooking knows that when you have hot grease and you get a little bit of water, it splat, you know, it splatters, it bubbles up and pops and uh, goes all over the place. So uh, you can go ahead and mix a lit and use a little bit just for flavoring. Uh, you don't want much, and uh, you can stir that up into your, you know, hot rendered uh, fat as well. And you do this inside each individual uh, sandwich box. Uh, you can add in peanut butter peanut butter, and personally, I like to use chunky. It's the only thing I use chunky peanut butter for, because that's got a little bit of some nuts and such in it, too. Uh, you can add this without fear of it splattering, too, because peanut butter is basically based in oil. And uh, you stir that into it very slowly, and uh, slowly, and carefully, and it will mix right into the uh, rendered fat. Uh, you can also pour it over bird seed or uh, some uh, chopped up dried fruit, or uh, even some, you know, small chopped up nuts. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say uh, chopped fine, but, you know, much smaller chunks than the uh, nuts are whole. And Or you can do a combination of everything, if you wish. So I don't think I'd do the peanut butter and jelly. The birds aren't too much into that, but... Uh, you know, you can do the nuts and uh, fruit and peanut butter, no problems whatsoever. But the uh, trick with doing this is, is you've got to keep stirring the suet until it just about starts uh, uh, thicken and harden. And be the reason, because if you don't, all that seed is going to settle, and you'll have one half of the suet block that's straight suet, and the other half will be suet and seed.
So, you know, hey, maybe that's what uh, you want to end up with. And if you do, that's fine. But then you just take these as suet blocks. And like I said, uh, you're going to have them on a uh, cookie sheet. You go ahead and you pick up your cookie sheet and bring it outside to cool. Uh, Much better if it's down, you know, below uh, freezing, though it doesn't have to be. And uh, just keep it uh, covered outside uh, so, no, no animals go messing around with it while it's still hot. And uh, after it cools, you go ahead and take the, uh, the suet blocks. You can pop them out of the sandwich boxes into a Ziploc bag, and you can stack them up inside your freezer, and they will stay good for over a year inside your freezer. And you can take them out whenever you want to. You know, go ahead and feed the birds. Okay, that's going to take care of the show for this week. We will be back here next week at 1410 WYZM. Until then, remember, anybody can have a green thumb. All you need is a campaign. 